0: So, did that come through? No. Okay, so I got to play it on my phone. You're right. Okay. Uh, finding the song on my phone. This is the song that I sing when I'm trying to do something.
1: <laughs> oh my. <laughs>
2: Hello, everyone.
0: Greetings and welcome to all. to What's the PhD podcast? This is the podcast where we attempt to demystify the scientific PhD process for folks going through the rigors of pursuing a PhD, thinking about maybe getting a PhD, or even people just curious what it's all about. That's what we intend uh, to bring to you. You can check out the website associated with us at realphdeal.com. That's R-E-A-L-P-H-D-E. A-L.com. Uh, and uh if you want to email us, you can email our, our happy little group at p at gmail.com. Uh that is p-h-d-e-a-l-m-a-i-l at gmail.com. So feel free to send any comments, criticisms, things you loved about our pod, how you hate the intro music, anything. uh... especially any questions. We have we are excited to to see if you have any questions that we can Hopefully, take a stab at um and we'll do our best to try to answer them. But, you know, quick disclaimer anything we do answer will we'll, we'll reflect our views in no way is meant to represent any of the views of our institutions or organizations we're associated with. And uh, we also, you know, try to do our best to answer them, but we don't know everything. So we may not even agree with each other on what the perfect answer is. So take that with a gram of salt. Uh, we are. Also, all science and, and engineering type based PhDs. So, our show will kind of concentrate more on that type of PhD. But with all that said, let's get on to the episode. Uh, I am Luis Estevez, um, and I'd like to introduce you to our other hosts we have today. We have uh, uh, Rajan Patel. Say hi, Rajan. Hello. What's up, brother? Yeah. We have uh, Liz, of course.
1: Hello.
0: And we have Elias or, or Elio, if you want to call him by his cool version of his name.
3: Yes, all good names.
0: <laughs> so today's episode is going to be on the topic of should you do a PhD? So this is something that I think uh, makes makes for a good uh first episode or second episode we had we had an earlier episode which was a kind of like intro episode so it could almost be thought of as a zeroth episode now we're jumping into the the meaty topics um and one of them is of course like what we all go through as we um think about possibly going after a PhD like barely knowing what what's in store for us so luckily we kind of have an idea as we've been through this so um We want to kind of handle today what are the reasons that you should do a PhD? What are the reasons you shouldn't do a PhD? And, uh, you know, what's in store for you there. So, I think the first order of business is to kind of uh, jump into what differentiates a PhD versus uh, an undergrad or even a master's uh, degree, uh, and what kind of career you're kind of um, uh, setting yourself up for when you leave. uh uh, a master's program or undergrad program or going into a phd or even just the difference is inherent in there so uh with that i'm going to throw it over to to our panel of of experts like does anyone have any uh uh things they want to add uh to this about um differentiating what you know what what are the differences between undergrad versus phd or like what kind of career options uh open up what kind of career options close any one of you guys want to jump in on that
3: yeah sure i i wanted to mention something about the difference between a phd and an undergrad which i think is uh, just predictability in terms of what you would expect i mean for an undergrad degree uh, you sit in courses you have examinations and then you get grades based on projects and exams and attendance and all that good stuff and you kind of know what to expect or, you know, the range of surprises that you might get are kind of limited. You basically know what you're getting into. Uh, for a PhD, I think it's the just the variability is much, much different because it's, it's kind of based on a real-life project where you're doing research and there's a lot of external variables that go in there. Uh, basically, because it's at the frontier of existing knowledge, it's not as if going in on day one, you can know that in two weeks you should ex- expect this kind of result and this is what you do in three weeks and then you write a paper in the six month or whatever and then you graduate within you know, you know, it's it's not it's not as deterministic as what you would expect from an undergrad. Now of course, uh, that being said you do have control and there's a lot of, uh, there's you, you do have a lot of control and basically that's what probably we'll get into some detail of, but you know because people who go into phd are often driven people who've done you know the kind of excellent at, at, at an academic level at some level uh, but it's not doesn't it's not a linear trajectory from an undergrad to a phd much more variability yeah. much less predictable and uh, you know that it's a different mindset to approach in and i guess others can comment more on that as well
1: yeah so there's a lot more variability but there's um also um the the things the type of work that you open yourself up to, like Louise mentioned earlier, is quite different for a PhD versus undergrad. So um, things like research, academic careers, um, maybe even like national lab type um, jobs um, or industrial research, really requires a more advanced degree than an undergraduate degree. Um, an undergraduate degree, you're a little bit, you leave the university, um, you, maybe not really as an expert, right, but at the end of a PhD or a graduate program, you would be labeled more of an expert in a particular field. So um, that's why some people might say a PhD is limiting, because you do really uh, focus and specialize in a certain area, um, more on like a, a research type field.
0: Yeah, if if I'm just add quickly to what you both have said so far, like I remembered um, going into uh, well, first off, uh, what what you said is true about going into it. Um, and it's not linear at all. Like I remember going into my undergrad and kind of having uh, it seeming kind of a little um, overwhelmed, like a little bit, but it's nowhere near the same level like for me anyway when I went into a PhD I was like I have no idea what I'm doing I have no idea what um what I'm what's expected of me because it's not laid out as as specifically as every everybody else is like for example if you're an undergrad electrical engineer you're going to have very very similar experience to other people in your class even other people across the country and the world like that are going to follow a similar kind of progression in in what they're learning and what they're doing. As a PhD, it's so specified to you and what you're doing that essentially it's 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 very very different compared to everybody else. And and to 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 jump on what you said, Liz, too. It's uh it you you become so focused that it's it's kind of crazy. Like um I I remember trying to make it through uh, my qualifiers uh, after the first year, which We'll go into it on in another topic, but basically it's a way to to just uh, make sure you you know what you're doing before you jump into a PhD program. And it can be very um, uh uh nerve wracking taking this this test. But I remember going into it and studying like crazy about everything I had to learn about. Uh and I remembered taking the test and being done with it and being like, Oh, I think I I think I did okay. I don't know what happened. But like one of the PhD older PhD students tapped me on the shoulder and was like you will you will never know as much as you know right now. Like after this moment, you're going to focus on one specific thing and you're gonna forget so much so much of what you've learned to like to to know right now. Like which you know you kind of you have an undergraduate mastery as you go into your PhD program and your qualifier kind of tests that. And then as soon as you leave that you become super razor focused on one thing and you almost kind of forget about like a lot of other stuff that you learned as an undergrad or maybe even were good at and then you just like like it's it's done you're like focused on this one thing that that is like your your the thing that defines you which is kind of it's very very different from from uh, from undergrad uh for sure and i i think it, it shouldn't be looked at as just like a linear like oh i did well as an an undergrad so let me just keep jumping into this field and then you know do a phd it's like no it's you should know like i mean if you did well undergrad that's that's a that's a good that's a good thing for sure but it's it's not just a continuation of that you know just go to more courses and, and, you know, continue to dominate your scientific field or whatever. <laughs> like it's, it's a whole mm-hmm. different world.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if for, for some people, if they know, like I had a couple of friends, uh, even in undergrad, they had their mindset um, uh, set in a way that they, they knew what they wanted to do. And so if you already have some idea, then this is perfect uh going towards a phd route right like if you have some idea of uh, towards your like something you develop during your junior or senior year uh of undergrad and you realize like oh something this is uh, of an interest of mine and at least some way i would like to explore more if the proper proper opportunity and uh, the environment is provided uh and then that's that's where the phd comes in i feel like uh if uh it's perfect for those conditions of course like and then at the same time uh, you all three talked about like when most of actually I when I started I had no idea uh, what I wanted to do uh, uh, and that's why I took my time before I went to PhD so I took like a detour of masters getting masters which is another thing right yeah, like it you don't need if you don't need to do PhD if you are just looking for certain things uh, uh, like if you're just looking for getting a slightly advanced uh, start in your career, then yeah, a master's is is perfect. Uh, you don't need uh, to go and spend uh, that much amount of time and being so focused on one particular topic by getting a PhD uh, and actually in, in that sense, uh, narrowing your field of uh, work uh, in a way. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, right on, Rajan. I totally agree. Like that's um, that's something that uh, a lot of students, I think, don't realize, or a lot of a lot of a lot of folks that are finishing up their undergrad don't realize that a Ph.D. does not necessarily mean more money. It just changes your type of job. Like some, I don't know, maybe maybe. Uh, Maybe it's a Hollywood myth. I don't know what it is, but scientists are seen as like, oh, I'm a scientist. I I can make lots of money uh, running a meth lab or, you know, but legally, (laughs) let's say and other things like, but for some reason it's, I mean, it doesn't really increase, I mean, it increases some options and some opportunities, but that doesn't necessarily mean more money. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't do a PhD for the money and don't do it for the glory because there's hardly any. Uh, and, yeah. and, to, I mean, and, <laughs> and that something... sounds, sounds bleak. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I can, that's, it, yeah maybe that's a little too
0: bleak. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I mean, do it because you love failure. No, wait, all right, let me try again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But there's, you know, it, if you like, doing something that no one else has done before, then that's great. Like, and it's really rewarding, right? And you, there's a lot I can say as to what the positives are, but I definitely, like, you shouldn't do it because it's going to uh, continue your, you know, your, uh undergrad point, 2.0 it's not going to be that it's not going to be more money it's not going it's just going to change the type of work you do and so and and if you get to be a scientist it's really I, I think it's amazing because now you get to do stuff that no one else has done before and as you do it you it gets thrown out into the scientific community and they get to build on it and you you leave a legacy behind that that will be there long after you're gone i mean there's like scientists like you know from know several hundred years ago or mathematicians from hundreds of years ago that have put stuff out there that we're using today like and it, that's that's the real. if that kind of thing really excites you then you should do a phd and if that's the kind of thing you want to do that's that then you should do one but it's it's you shouldn't do it because of you know to get like a nice position it's like your undergrad in engineering or science uh, especially if you get a master's will will do that i think
3: I wanted to add some thoughts on on that point and then to your point obviously it's not the fastest way to become rich getting a phd now to be fair as a starting position if you hold a phd it's gonna be a significantly larger salary than if you had a bachelor's degree for most kinds of positions
1: in that same field
3: in that same field but of course you already you just spent x X amount of years getting your phd so you jumped much later into the market so there's that option so there's that uh, to think about as well now again like Liz said it's a bit field specific so especially folks who do engineering uh, jobs uh, can find pretty exciting careers as well rather quickly their their work translates into a lot of types of companies and so that's relatively straightforward to find jobs even without getting a PhD. For science, again, also, you have lots of prospects. But with today's market, especially with cutting-edge R&D types of companies, it's becoming more and more difficult to break into those kinds of top positions without having a higher degree. So so something to think about along those ends. Now, also, during your PhD, you will not be paid a lot of money. So that's going to be a significant amount of time where where i mean you're generating maybe enough money to get by but you're not kind of saving and or getting a mortgage or anything of that sort so uh so 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 again something else to think about along those ends but uh there are lots of advantages also from the financial end for getting a phd the, some companies it's easier to uh get promotions on the technical end if you have a graduate degree But then again, a lot of the positions that make more money even in those same companies are more entrepreneurial type positions or marketing oriented or executive or consulting where some level of technical experience is needed, but you also need other skills such as people skills and trade skills and understanding commerce and things like that. So uh, just a pure scientific technical degree would land you a solid job, but not necessarily get rich. And one last thing...
0: Oh, sure. Yes, Luke. I was just going to add to that what you mentioned about the entrepreneurial types having – a little bit more financial bonuses for going into like a tech company, let's say, or something like that. There is ways you can with your PhD because your PhD is kind of your own. In a way, you have a lot of say in in what you're going to do and it's going to depend a bit on your advisor, of course, and your program. But I know people who have, as as at Cornell where I went, there was like, uh, you had to have your major and you had your minor. And of course, my minor was chemistry and my major was material science. And that's usually the kind of Thing that you would do there, but I know people who did their major field of study in material science and did like a business minor, and and because they were more entrepreneurially motivated. So like you can you can work the PhD system to kind of if you're interested in like you know becoming a uh, tech entrepreneur or that kind of thing, you can kind of work it to to do that. And I I know quite a f- it depends on the university, but I know quite a few people from my university that went on to. Uh, do startups and and work in, in that kind of thing as well so there there is ways to do it it's just not as clear and cut and dry so continue i just wanted to add to that but continue with the rest of your point at least
3: yeah that's a good place to pick up from i wanted to add finally that if you want to for example have a startup company or something like that if you have a phd then uh that lends a lot of weight for getting some startup funds from federal agencies or from private sector but it's not again it's not necessary so if you have that idea early on go for it maybe five years spent trying and failing and trying again on a startup company uh, you'd think that that gets you ahead of the game and it's much better than trying and failing on a super specific research project for your phd for example so so again like lou said it's it's very one can look at trends but it's very much uh, uh specific to your uh kind of career preferences and your jobs so on average a starting position for a phd is higher but that comes with a caveat that you're jumping into the market later as well yeah
0: good call i'm that's uh that, that is these are all things to consider and and what Elias said is correct you you will get like a stipend and it's going to vary depending on uh the university and depending on um lots of other factors but it's it's generally enough to get by but not enough to be rich you know as a mechanical (laughs) mechanical engineering undergrad i saw a lot of my colleagues who went and got their bs degree in mechanical engineering like myself then went into the workforce they were making uh starting salaries can be anywhere from like 60 to 80 K. And it's pretty lucrative right off the bat. Uh, whereas like, you know, I was making, I, I was, I was doing pretty well for a PhD student, but it's somewhere in the order of about 30 K. Cause I was lucky my institution was very generous. That's enough to get by. It's not enough to, um, and to me, I was like, I couldn't believe they paid me. I was like, they're paying me to like actually go to school. This is awesome. Like I, what is, what a scam. Like I, I get to have fun in, in science labs and I would have easily done it for free, but I was, uh, I mean, you know, if you asked somebody else, they'd be like, "No, no, you're you're being underpaid tremendously." But to me, I was like, "This is great! Like, I I can't believe <laughs> <laughs> like, I can actually make money off this. It's crazy." So, so it's you do do a lot of work for the university. So, like you, at, in terms of uh, PhD stipends, the engineering and and science ones tend to pay the best because you kind of bring in a bit more of money. It's just economics. So you you will probably have a uh adequate salary to kind of, you know, to get by, pay the bills and that kind of thing. But it's, you know, you're you're not going to be rolling in, in dough. That's that's kind of definitely true.
2: Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. So that's one of the, I feel like I realized later that uh, all four of us are from STEM and we don't have anyone like actually a non-STEM person with a PhD to raise <laughs> their issues and their voice and stuff because I feel like definitely we are, Fortunate to be in the field where um, we the money is not that of a big of a deal when it comes to salaries or, or research grants and stuff like that. Versus and
1: you're not paying your uh, your tuition. Yeah, that's true. Cool. Right. And, yeah, yeah
2: and which is not the case for many of the like if you are doing a PhD in education or you know, uh, or psychology or uh, sorry, social yes. sciences, any
0: you of know, those, those
2: do those departments are like so tiny in most of the yeah. universities,
0: they don't they can't afford just a quick uh, word to all the humanities PhDs listening. We're sorry, mm-hmm. I, I know it sounds like we're we're crying about like <laughs> being underpaid, and it's it's ridiculous. Like, we 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 do live the life of luxury in, in the PhD world, I guess, but but go, go on, Rajan.
2: No, I mean, I feel like that that was it like I I can't add anything other than that Uh, but but I just wanted to point out that we do realize that uh, we uh, all four of us have a different uh, uh, completely different track uh, compared to when it comes to uh, other uh, PhDs
1: but probably like any um, like school situation like a graduate degree um, despite the fact that you're being paid which is great Um, I think you could probably accurately describe your uh, pay and lifestyle as uh, something uh, that could be called unsustainable. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I can continue like this forever. (laughs) That's not really the situation, but it's good. It's fine for the the short, you know, relatively short and the long, uh, you know, thinking about all of life. It's unsustainable. Like, you're not going to be like that forever.
0: So. Are you saying a ramen noodle diet uh, is unsustainable for a lifetime choice? I don't
1: know. I mean, with the addition of frozen vegetables, I think you can do anything.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's that's really one of the reasons why there's often an uptick in graduate f- uh, folks enrolled in graduate studies when the, when the economy takes a downturn. So it's, uh, in a sense, it's kind of like a holding pattern. Uh, for su- for students who just fresh out of undergraduate degrees mm-hmm. and the market isn't very appealing at the moment so they go into graduate studies, often that happens a lot yeah, yeah. and that ties in nicely to what we were discussing earlier I mean, take that as you will, as an indicator for just the money of doing a PhD versus not doing a PhD many folks would rather go just directly and work in the outside world Uh but, but you know, it does open a lot of doors and does work, uh, uh, f- you know, for future prospects as well.
2: So I feel like that that brings to that, like, uh, I actually, uh, I can say why I did the PhD, you know, that was one of the reasons, actually. So uh, it was not the main reason, but like it, it was kind of, it was definitely a factor that I considered when I actually decided to finally go for it so after masters uh, as you remember 2008 crash uh, <laughs> market was not at all uh, where it should be <laughs> to receive a, a person like me <laughs> or or hundreds of person like me <laughs> right, right. so uh, right and and so I, I i was fortunate enough to live in silicon valley and be able to land a job there uh, but at the same time uh, uh, but the back of your mind was like, well, I don't want to go through this uh, time again. And, uh, ho- and uh, while doing that job, I realized like, oh, maybe I should actually go for the PhD because that will secure, I don't know, it will, I feel, I felt like if I had a PhD, I would, my position in a company would be a bit more stronger to, I won't be expendable. Uh, that was one of the reason I, I went for it because I feel like uh, if I'm, uh specific enough and i'm i'm um unique enough uh for the company uh i might be able to hold on to that position for longer uh versus uh other people i i look around who got laid off uh, back then in uh, it was kind of one of the reason uh truly that i went for it yeah
1: yeah so um i would say that uh just to kind of add to what uh, what Raj was saying um I chose to do, um, that's a very valid reason to do a a PhD, um, but it's certainly different from, and it's very practical, but, um, it's very different from why I, I went, uh, to graduate school. I also did a master's and, um, during my master's, I was uh, lucky enough to be surrounded by people who had their PhD doing research and I was kind of, you know, working under them and that experience. Kind of showed me or opened my eyes up to the world of what do phds in material science do um, and i was specifically working in like the uh, kind of nuclear industry so nuclear material material science research um, was kind of what i was being exposed to and i just saw like the very spe- specialized scientists working in their field, and they were just really good at what they did. And they were answering really specific questions that other people weren't able to answer. And I, that just showed me, okay, I want, I want to be one of those people. And in the process of getting a master's, I was like, okay, I like research. Um, so I think a lot of students, like, yeah, as an undergrad, you say, okay, I can go graduate school, you can either do a master's or a PhD. And a lot of people I at least I've heard this like you know why would you do a masters I think it's very individual but like sometimes a masters can help you figure out if you want a PhD. So yeah. That kind of is with my experience. Yeah, I was kind of, I was curious why Elias you chose to do a PhD. Yes, the
0: the uh the superstar of the
3: podcast. I want I want to hear from Wait, you. What, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so uh. So I I wanted to add that um Well, two things. One, kind of like Liz was saying, just the scientific curiosity of thinking. I mean, I I was lucky enough. I come from a tiny country called Lebanon. um, And I was lucky that I had a pretty nice undergraduate education. I also did a master's degree at the American University of Beirut. And there's some really nice science happening there. And it was such a nice launching pad to, to a very exciting career, as a lot of my colleagues have done as well. But I was really excited and curious about the next level and going to for a PhD, like seeing what's where, following this trajectory. It felt like the natural next step in some sense. So that's why I applied for a PhD in the US. And that brings it also to another reason why many people are excited about PhDs. It's the prospect of getting access to uh, resources at a country with an advanced economy and an advanced education system like the U S where you could do cutting edge research. It's uh, getting access to the job market in those countries afterwards to fill the needs in those kinds of job markets. And also whole classes of jobs that are not existent in my home country anyway. So uh, both in terms of, you know uh, the scientific curiosity and also kind of to use that scientific uh, knowledge that you get from a PhD, put that to good use in a, in a job afterwards as well so I, I guess those are two additional reasons to what uh liz and rajan were saying
0: yeah and i'll, I'll just give you uh my short synopsis of why i chose to go for a PhD was which I totally had not planned on doing at all. Most of my whole scientific career was completely unplanned and a <laughs> series of fortuitous accidents <laughs> just and and really nice people like who have kind of guided me here and there. So it's um uh yeah, I've just been really lucky but I, I went, I, I, I took an internship at Los Alamos when I was a junior in mechanical engineering, mostly because I was like, oh, they pay really well. <laughs> that's, I, I need money, so that's uh, let me go there. And I didn't know what research was like at all. like I, I mean, I was doing some research, that's not true. I was doing some research with a really nice professor there who recommended the Los Alamos gig, but I really didn't know uh, what what a career in that would be. Like to me, it was just something I was doing on the side for for while i was getting my mechanical engineering degree and then i went there and they exposed me it was a program set up to like essentially it did what it was supposed to do it's supposed to inspire you know students to be to become phds so it was it was really just like the best case scenario and so i went there and i was actually doing research with really nice cutting edge equipment and really really smart people all all around me and they all had phds in there and they are they were undergrads like me, like thinking about getting a PhD. And then I got to do this work that no one had figured out how to do. And we were working really hard to make it happen. And it was a complete failure, by the way. The project did not, what we were trying to do didn't work. But even despite that, it was just so much fun to be trying to do something that no one else had done. And then to work in this team environment was kind of cool where people came with different uh, abilities and could handle different tasks. Like somebody was better at coding and somebody else was better at you know maybe running the experiments and so by the time it was done i was like i totally want to do this like how do i get a job like this like i just started talking to people there and they were like well you need to get a phd to get a job like this and i was like okay i'm gonna get a phd and then i went back home after that summer and i was told my you know uh my wife uh was like uh, by the way, I'm getting a PhD. This was my girlfriend at the time, but I was like, "Yeah, I'm I, I figured it out. I have to get a PhD." And and she luckily because she was very supportive, she was like, "Sure, sounds good, let's do it." And then that's kind of how I wandered into a PhD program, completely not planned at all. But as soon as I got a taste for what the research was like, I was ah, this is what I want to do. Like this is totally this this is what I want. So for me, it was more just the type of job i want to do the type of thing i want to do for the rest of my life and it's cool like i'm, I'm very happy to do it so it's
2: so so Lewis, who, who would you say uh who should and shouldn't do a phd like you know good versus bad reasons
0: sure sure uh so well i mean there's lots of good reasons there's there, and there's lot and there's some some good and bad reasons that are sub- Subjected to some degree or like, you know, specific to people on a case-by-case basis. But there's, I would say, maybe some gen- people that are more ill-suited to a PhD than others. In, like, for example, or like... What I mean to say is if if you do not like failing you probably don't want to pursue a PhD because you're going to fail a lot. It's just kind of part and parcel. You're going to run experiments or you're going to write code, or you're going you're going to do a bunch of things and you're you're trying to solve problems that no one has solved before and and disagree with me if you want guys like I I don't know, but this is just my well, personal no, opinion you I think really
3: that it, <laughs> Yeah. If you're not failing most of the time, then the PhD topic is not really worth being a dissertation topic. Mean, that's kind right. of the definition of right, it, I right? Guess.
2: The, yeah. Doing the research is part of it, right? Like that's that's. Yeah. Really
0: worth. So to me, it's like if you're a really smart uh, student that like has just dominated their undergrad, but like you don't like failing, you're probably going to be terrible at at, at being a PhD student, and you're going to be miserable and hate it. Uh, at, but if you're someone who's like easily picks himself up and is okay with failing, then you're probably okay. And that's like probably, I think the, the most important thing I, I think is, is just being okay with failure because if you're not, you're just, you're going to have a miserable time and you're going to have a miserable career and it's just, it's not for you.
1: I think another way to say that might just be like, um, you know, if you have a lot of patience and are like, you can just keep going.
0: That's, that's, that's I nice. I like the that's... way you said it better. <laughs> 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 I'm
1: like, Trying to stay positive, man. <laughs> I think, yeah, 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 yeah. Good call, good call. Keep going. I... Yeah. Yeah. Failure, that's whatever. You just have to
0: keep going. Well, I mean, I think of it this way that I always think of it as you're, you're a baseball player. Like for those that follow baseball, like it's, you're, you're right. Only a third of the time. If you're, if you're a baseball batter, right, you're going to miss most of the time. You're only going to get, a third of the time you're going to get a hit and if you do that you're like an all-star and to me that's that's okay you still get to play this amazing game that's like fun and you're playing a childhood game and 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 getting paid to do it it's crazy so i kind of feel like a phd career for me anyways it's kind of the same thing you're even though you're failing most of the time you're still you're still working that stuff that no one has figured out and you're part of this huge yeah i don't
2: Sure, I, I, agree with the, I agree with the baseball metaphor. The only thing is, instead of Wrigley Stadium, we have a, a science lab somewhere in, down in the basement. Yeah, but, no
1: windows. I,
3: <laughs> also, you get paid much less than an all-star baseball player. Full disclosure. Yeah. Oh, this is rich. We don't want any email saying that, hey, I didn't get a million-dollar contract.
2: Neither did you get me. a
0: jersey, maybe it's called a lab coat, but it's fine. It doesn't have, it, and, and it doesn't come with your name on it, but you take uh, a little marker and you write your name on it. So then you know you're okay.
1: That yours, yeah. That's kind of just like the cost of admit, a uh, cost of entry, I think. That's you know, right. Like a a job or or uh, a graduate program like this. Like this is this is part of it. Yeah. Right. Like this. Yeah. you can't not have it. You know you can't not be failing like this is if you're not failing you're not doing i think that's something i also remind myself now <laughs> because that will yeah. always be a part of your life <laughs> it's not like you graduate and then you magically have the answers that's,
2: that's actually true yeah. like that's that's, so uh, true. that's part of the thing right like the part of the reason uh you do phd or i did phd and i realized that when i was in the middle of it that what i'm learning is not just uh, trying to find the answer to this uh, scientific riddle i'm also trying to find my own process of living life you know yeah, like yeah. how i want to uh, uh, carry on after this is done mm-hmm. you know to so this is like not just finding a process for that particular project but finding a process for to function uh, and keep yourself going throughout life because this is you learn from as you mentioned like from failures and stuff like that how to pick yourself up and keep going so that
0: is that. That's the entire life, man.
2: Like,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. so I feel like that's a
1: biggest.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, if if you you have to have like a short term memory, you have like not short term memory, but like just not let failure get to you, because it's I, I've gone through a whole week, maybe sometimes even longer, where you come to the realization where like I could have just stayed home and slept and played video games like all day and gotten the same (laughs) positive results (laughs) but it's it's okay you know it's it's totally okay and it's normal and you know you have this amazing so the trade-off for attempting these hard tasks is when you do do something that no one else has figured out you get to it's amazing you have i mean when you start to put it in the terms of the the grand scientific community of you know the centuries of, of science that have that have occurred like you're essentially you're adding to that to that story you're adding to to that bulk of knowledge that everyone has and that's something special that will always be there and it's just kind of that to me is like such a draw and so sure you're uh failing a lot but when when you When you do something and all it—it's so rewarding that failure just becomes just melts away, and you're like, "This is great! Like I got to do something. I'm publishing something that other people are going to use, and doing something and really pushing some kind of science forward. It's—it's very exciting. Uh, I don't
3: want to—I don't want to make it sound too doom and gloomy, (laughs) all the failure. So yeah, I wanted to pick up on that, and the, the one thing that you know you wouldn't be used to is when you're studying for a course or a, or making a, preparing a project or an exam during undergrad, you kind of know that this is the material that's required. These are the constraints. This, these are the rules of the game. And so you're yeah. ready for them. But then when you go for a PhD, it's not as structured. So if you're the kind of person who's driven and, you know, want to do more work, uh, that's great. But a lot of it is you know there's no end to it in a sense you have to you have to kind of it's a it's a lot about time management and just navigating mentally that whole landscape
1: and Be- dealing with ambiguity
3: exactly think, right yeah saying. yeah, good call that's
1: that's a lot of it yeah
3: <laughs> i mean it's not as if you know you do an extra experiment and then all of knowledge is complete in that corner of <laughs> of, of science <laughs> and then let me move to this next chapter or something like that. It's just completely ambiguous and uh and lots of variants uh, in it so so there's that and then the other thing is because of that uh, you know it's very easy for one failure to lead to another failure and then kind of uh, spiral into just uh, just a weeks w- weeks worth of work feeling where you might might as well have played video games instead yeah. um, so, so it's kind of success begets success and then for, for sadly that's how life works uh, failure weighs on you psychologically, and then you're not as motivated the next time. So, so lots of super smart people, uh, kind of, it's it's not it's not enough to be smart. You have to just mentally be kind of up for it in that sense. Yeah. But, yeah. But there's, but I have to say, I mean, that's, and, and it's good to know this going in, but but there's also a lot of fun part of it, the the exploring the. Just working with colleagues on a project, having yeah. your, own, your own thing that you're working on for an extended period of time, and then just the curiosity of it, and then maybe meeting other people in that field, going to a conference. All of that is just remarkable. And, and so it's great to, to know what you're getting into. But I think uh, who should do a PhD or, and who shouldn't? Well, the people who should are the people who want to uh as long as they know about what it's about and kind of read up on what to expect to some extent and listen to amazing podcasts like this one and things like that <laughs> then after all of that if you think you want to do a phd then you should that that's that's you your decision and if you shouldn't then that's not for you so and it's not the end of the world if you don't obviously it, it might be the end of the world if you do in that sense <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. what's kind of getting yeah. positive and that kind of killed <laughs> it at the end. As yeah. Well. yeah. You had the, it's good.
0: You, you let us soar with dreams and then you just, you know, you brought us back down to earth. That was kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we're getting near to the end of time. So I just wanted to quickly yeah. throw some, uh, just a question to the panel. Like, um, uh, oh, the panel now. yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, that's right. You guys are. Oh, yeah. The, yeah Chuck,
3: Chuck, how do you feel? To the
0: <laughs> panel of experts we have assembled, uh, <laughs> um, did, did you guys ever feel like you made a mistake pursuing a PhD when you were in the program? You're like, this was a bad mistake. Like, I shouldn't have gone for a PhD. Uh, or, I know personally myself, I definitely felt that at points. But I can think specifically early on jumping into a material science PhD program, coming from mechanical engineering, and feeling like I knew. The mechanics of material science but like nothing else and going into a chemistry heavy one feeling completely overwhelmed and like i didn't know enough to to survive and i just remember i coming home to again my, my girlfriend and telling her okay the the qualifiers are in a year i'm probably going to fail them and we're probably going to move on uh because this is probably not going to work but i'm going to Give it my best shot and see what happens and she was like okay you know <laughs> much to her uh, uh credit she was just like sure whatever whatever we have to do is fine and so i went into it and i was like let's let's see what happens i'm gonna try my best and then lo and behold having a year to kind of prepare for it was not not bad and being incredibly motivated by feeling inadequate in, in my chemistry knowledge and in physics and a few other things that, that were not as important for a mechanical engineer. I got to shore them up and then actually did okay after that. And then I kind of got into a flow. But I definitely like thought when I started, I was like, what was I thinking? Like this, like, like this. I... Uh, this was the ultimate in hubris to think that I can just jump into a program like this and and and, and actually survive, like because and then you you meet your colleagues and they're like all really smart and you're like oh my god like this is a terrible mistake like <laughs> but I don't know if any of you guys felt like that uh, at some points and just kind of wondering.
3: Yeah, I mean, I feel like that twice every day. <laughs> <when> you... <laughs> that's nice. I
1: I don't think I necessarily had um the oh man this was a mistake except you know sporadically since I was I worked four years before I went to go back to school um like just like my closest friends were just a different that I like my closest friends also went to undergrad with me and they were like also engineers and so you know sometimes when I would get together with those friends they would they were just in a different part of their lives and so sometimes it was like a little bit I mean, yeah, it was a little bit hard to to be like, this is, this is what I want, right? Yep, okay, but it's so different, <laughs> you know? Um, So, but I mean, kind of when I was in my own bubble, I, I knew it was what I wanted. And then, you know, when I failed or, you know, didn't do super hot, I was like, you know, mad because I really wanted it sort of thing. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you have to do better. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think that's that's really like what it is, right? It's just being able to pick yourself up and, and going, okay. Cl- got to tune out yeah. Yeah. And just like you, you, yeah. you, you're like, okay, we hit a roadblock on this X, Y, Z. I have to rethink this or redo this, or, you know, go, go at a different approach or just, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's what you do when you do fail. And, and that, that leads you eventually to the right, right. path. Like, so it's, yeah. And you right. learn that, uh, doing the PhD quite a bit like and and it's actually kind of nice after a while it just becomes like I'm thinking now after I've had years of after my post PhD and and doing work for people like that's that's like the the part like you go into a project that no one has been able to do something and you start to work on it and then they're like how's it going you're like oh you know it's just the, the early failure stage where, where nothing is working and we're just trying we, we we have what we thought were good ideas and and, and we're getting data but it's, you know, uh not what we want, but it's okay because we're learning from it and then you're just kind of like modifying and right. you know, just moving from that. And then, then that just becomes normal and it's it's not so bad.
1: And it's no longer like a huge blow to your That's right. psyche. That's right. Like to, to your <laughs> like, undergrad
0: mindset ego where you're like, I have to dominate everything and I have to like, you know, it's it just becomes like, Oh, this is the new normal and this is okay.
2: So, so, when was the time you thought, okay, yeah, this is bomb diggity?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm so happy I decided to pursue a PhD.
1: Graduation. No? <laughs> okay. No? No.
0: So, I. I That's uh, all I got. For me, it was definitely, I think, after I finished my coursework and was just doing just the, the lab work and just working on my thesis, I survived quals, which were terrifying to me. And then I. I then I finished all my coursework and I took what what at Cornell they called an A exam. I don't know if it's the same other places, but it's just like a place where you present your thesis and make sure you have a graduate level mastery of the subject. And then after that, then it was like, okay, you're good now. Now it's just between you and your advisor. Then it becomes just research. And that was like so much fun because now you don't, you're don't you not worried about classes. The only big test you have coming is your, your thesis defense, but there's, that seems kind of far away. And you're just having tons of fun just doing all kinds of stuff in the lab. And for me, anyway, I had an advisor who was very open to letting me explore different paths and kind of like, you know, little little hands off, which worked for me. And I was like, this is so much like I really was like, I don't think it will ever be as fun as this. And I think I told one of my professors that who was like, uh From not my advisor or anything, but he's within our department and he he goes that's good of you to realize that because it does it it's never as good as it is right now, and you'd never have as much scientific freedom as you have right now, and that's great that you realize it to me I saw the PhD defense as not this thing I needed to get to to move on to the next step It was like this horrible thing that was going to end the party for me, <laughs> you know <laughs> like so that's really that's really when I was like yeah. Yes, I'm loving this. This is fantastic. And then, and then you get kind of good at it, and then they kick you out. You know, it's kind of what happens.
1: Yeah, no, really, I think probably graduation. No, forget all that
0: stuff. Just graduation. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys for all your input. Thanks to you. Uh, intrepid listeners, whoever you may be. And hopefully you got something from this and feel free, get on your email machines, all that crazy uh, awesome technology. (laughs) 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 Let let, let me bring it back from like (laughs) <laughs> closet, to you, J- jump yeah. on your, I, I believe that's what the kids are calling it, the email machines. <laughs> and and uh, jump on there, set, send an email over to us. Let us know what you thought. Uh, you know, it, let us know if the, the, the length was all right, the, the topics were good, like wh- whatever you like, whatever you disliked. Uh, and especially, like I said, if you have any questions, we love to jump on anything you send us. So, And don't forget to go to realphdeal.com. To check out uh, our website arm of of the podcast, I guess. Okay, can I, take, can, I, can <laughs> I? It's not as it's not as, as easy as the email <laughs> machine, but <laughs> Hopefully, it's Elias's it, big pet project, so I don't I don't want to say that it's 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 not a part of us, but it's it is it is where all this sprung from. So so I want I want. Right, that's right. It's the mother, it's, it's kind the a mother the mothership. Like he- yeah, we yeah, the children. It's the mothership right? of our yeah. of our <laughs> glorious little podcast. But with that, just to this <laughs> <is going. laughs> just I PG. think my baseball player analogy was much better. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. But anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you guys uh, for the awesome conversation. And uh, until the next episode, thank you. Uh, take care and keep scienceing, everyone.